good time of the day, and welcome to another episode of And When I Say I Mean, I Am Your Co-Host Adrian. And I am your co-host Austin. It it seems like it's been forever. Um, That's only for us. For us, it's been like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Which is, it's been a long time. So, Austin, what is, what's happened in the last two weeks or so? Um, well, I, I think this is new. I am house-sitting for my priest, who is in Norway. Um, oh, nice. And he and his family have two cats, and their names are Czar and Phantom. I like Phantom like a lot. Like Russians? Yeah, like yeah. The Russians are T with a T, so T S A R. Okay. Um, Phantom and I get along swimmingly because Phantom is a normal cat, in that, like, occasionally I can pet Phantom. Otherwise, I don't see Phantom. Mm-hmm. Czar. Fitting name. Yeah, Czar is just like all over me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's 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 annoying. Yeah. Like I'm try I try to do anything, boom, Zara is there just lying on top of me. Um So it yeah, not not my favorite. Uh that, that's fair. Though Zara is very friendly and has never bit me, which is not something I can say about Phantom. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I guess it depends on what you're looking for from a cat. Mhm. Mm but I you know, I like a cat that Acts like a cat, um, right? That that's some of the best parts of a cat is that yeah. they are aloof. Yeah. Though Phantom does um, vomit a lot more than Czar, so that's <laughs> that kind of. So, well, he's just being more like a cat, right? Right. That works against my my propensity towards Phantom, but uh huh, uh huh. That inconveniences me less, actually. Than Czar still. So. Still, wow. Yeah. yeah. How was uh, Iceland? Oh, I achieved my goal of making mom worry that you would never come back from Iceland. Was uh, that your goal of putting that in the podcast? Uh, no, that wasn't my explicit goal, but I, I was, as I was saying it, I was like, wow, we are ratcheting up the tension for this podcast. If Adrian <laughs> never comes back from Iceland, it would be fitting. It it would be it'd be it'd be rather sad. I would I would feel it would bad be so sad. for mom in that case. Um, but like we it would have been like we had a, set it up well. We had right. set it up well. If it was a movie, like, yeah, it would have yeah. happened. I feel like we should just do that on every episode now, just in case you know. Nah, that'll know. that'll be like the boy who cried wolf then. Okay, okay, just too much, too much. Mm -hmm. Um, Iceland was amazing. Um. Just like, um, I can't even really explain it because I struggled to find Ooh. words when I was there. Um, basically, what happens is you go around Iceland and you you see one thing and you're just like, well, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life and probably ever will. And then you go to the next thing and you're like, wow, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life and probably will never, uh, you know, probably ever will. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think the the most common used phrases were that's unreal um the water is so blue okay um just just the classic wow yeah 
Well, um, I'm glad you said wow because we'll get we'll just tuck that away for okay. for future okay, future good. use. That's good. Um, but yeah, just absolutely stunning. Um, when the first day that we were there, it rained all the time. They what they say the saying in Iceland is that if you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes. Okay. Um, and that holds true. Uh, very what does that well. sound like in Icelandic? Just like No, 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 because that didn't sound Scandinavian enough. It's it's very Scandinavian. Um, and From all sound. the words that I see, there's lots of R's, V's, C's, and J's and K's. So I was yeah, trying yeah, to get it, as much of that in. But it's different. They pronounce those 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 are all like harsh sounds in our vernacular. Right. But like they're not necessarily in like, in there. I don't really know. How? I don't. I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Honestly, everybody spoke English there, so I spoke okay. a lot of English, um, which was really helpful. Um, was it was it disappointing? No. Okay, you weren't hoping to learn Icelandic. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about the trip in general. Oh no 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 no! I'm talking about speaking in English. There were, yeah, it, it was a little disappointing in the sense that it was like, wow, I spent my, you know, a week in another country that speaks a different language, and I don't really feel like I learned any words in Icelandic. Yeah. Um, so in that case, it was a little disappointing. Um, I learned the word for waterfall. Well, I think I know what the is word the word for waterfall. For waterfall? It's it's F O S S, which for a while we were pronouncing foss. Yeah. But then about halfway through, we were talking to this other guy who apparently knew Icelandic a lot better than me. Um, and that's he's that's pronounced, not hard, though. Right, but he was an American. Oh, so, okay. okay. Um, he pronounced it foos. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, I now, so I, I, that's the one word I know, and I still don't really know if I'm pronouncing it really? properly. Really? That is an interesting vowel. So... Vowel sounds, I, I feel like, are really the m- most important differences in sounds for languages. Mm-hmm. English is very inconsistent with their vowel sounds. But if ooh is the consistent pronunciation of A in Iceland, that's really strange. Well, it was an O in, in Foss or Foos. Oh. F-O-S-S. Oh, I thought you spelled it F. Okay, no, okay, wow. That makes a lot more sense now. Yep. Um, so yeah, that was really the only Icelandic, um, word I learned, not even like hello, which is again, kind of, kind of disappointing, but, but nothing else about Iceland disappointed. Okay, good. It was disappointing at all. Um, even down to the world famous Icelandic hot dogs, which let me tell you, my roommate was like, okay, I read this on the internet. Iceland is famous for their hot dogs and orange soda and we need to get it. And if you really want to be a true Icelandic, or you get it at a gas station. And at this point, my expectations <laughs> had plummeted to the ground. Not only do I have very low, very low expectations about hot dogs in As general. You should. Um, now we're getting Icelandic hot dogs, which for me, maybe this is just my like. No, no, no. I'm going to argue that they're world famous because absolutely not. I don't I don't know if this is just my American arrogance, but I was pretty sure that only Americans were like famous for hot dogs. Nothing to take away from Germans who like have amazing sausages. But like the hot, hot dogs dog, are like a uniquely gross take on a sausage. 
Right, exactly. Uh, the hot dog is like an insult to German sausage, <laughs> which I thought was like an American like like baseball tradition. Right, like right. like if you're trying to think of the most American things, it's like the third thing after baseball and apple pie. Mm-hmm. And so we I'm hearing about these Icelandic hot dogs. I'm like there's no way. So my expectations are so low. And then they say that we have to get them at a gas station. Yep. It's like yep. if there's anything that drops my <laughs> Drops my enthusiasm about hot dogs any lower. It's the fact that we're getting them at a gas station. Zach needs to live in Iceland, man. (laughs) Listen, I thought about Zach every single time. I was Uh, like, Zach would just absolutely love this because not only does he love hot dogs, he loves gas station hot dogs. (laughs) (laughs) And these are walk into that seats, you come out with four hot dogs for a dollar. That's the best deal. (laughs) He will be disappointed because these world-famous Icelandic hot dogs are not as good of a deal as Sheets. But um, it turns out they're actually pretty good. So so the the hot dogs are like bacon-wrapped hot dogs. And these are like almost oh, like gourmet hot victory dogs. Victory for Iceland. I know, right? So you have your bacon-wrapped hot dog. You have your bun, which is toasted right there as you Ooh. order it. They put in both like um caramelized onions and they're not caramelized onions i don't know what are they, they like what do you browns? call those like crunchy orange they're like crunchy sauteed onions? yeah no but they have like the breading on them kind of oh um a blooming onion <laughs> <laughs> kind of but not really anyway so so they have um so they just have like regular chopped onions and then these like caramelized ones the ones that i'm gonna call yeah caramelized. yeah and then you put your bacon wrapped hot dog on the them like a steakhouse burger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they have all these like different sauces you can put on. They got like this chili ketchup and like this really good relish. It turns out that's pretty good. It's pretty good stuff. I was shocked. But anyways, how was the orange soda? The orange soda was it was um more orange y than um just like, like crush. sugar. Yeah. So it tastes more like you're just drinking orange juice as opposed to but like in a good way because it still definitely tastes like a soda but orange um, juice is still like it's pretty good right 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 but it's like it's like carbonate but it's not carbonated orange juice because that sounds terrible but it's like i drink that has more natural orange flavor but anyways i enough about the hot dogs because we saw like a million other things that are way better than the hot dogs that's that's good it's also it's also interesting that the only like the only food that we ate that was Icelandic was like I had these hot dogs and then I had like soup that had lamb in it and that was like the only Icelandic food. We ate pizza like twice when we were there. Wow. Also, the only other time that I felt like seriously judged as being an American, the first night we it's like we were soaked because it was raining and we just wanted to get food so we went to this pizza place and we order our pizza. And so naturally, we just start eating it with our hands like you do because it's pizza. And I start to look around, and every other table is, like, cutting their pizza with a fork and knife and eating it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. They're judging us as Americans. And I look at this, like, six-year-old kid who's doing the same thing. I was like, well, we done messed up. We look like savage Americans eating our pizza right now. Well, my impression is even if you don't feel like you're being judged as – for being an American, you are being judged for being an American. So at yep. least at, at that point, you were aware of it, you know. Oh no, I felt very aware of it a lot of the times on the trip, because 
we would a lot of the things that we would try to say and do made us look really stupid. Like, let's hang out at the beach, bro. I mean, hanging out at the beach in Iceland are pretty amazing because they're black sand beaches, so it's just like, really? wow, stunning. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. You I guess it's just a volcano. Yeah, also they have these like weird like like um, hexagonal column rocks that are just formed. It's just like... It's like just, those famous step ones in Ireland? You I don't know. what I'm know. talking about? No. Um... I'm going to look up this place, and you're going to look up these pictures. Yeah, there, here it is. This is okay. this is what you need. This is where we were. You need to type in Rainesfarger. Here it is. I'll spell it out for you. Okay, See, this is thank how you. good I am at spelling things. R-E-Y-N-I-S-F-J-A-R-A. If you're listening to this at home and you can look that up, do it, because this might have been my favorite place that we went. Um, oh, that's oh, a, it's, it's okay. just stunning. These these rocks. Do you see the the weird column things? N- nope. Things are going slowly over here. Okay. Well, when you see the weird column things. Those oh, are formed, I see them. Yeah. Yeah, formed by like magma solidifying, and some reason they form in this hexagonal form. And then you have this just gorgeous black sand. And then you have those like two rocks, those two rocks yeah. out in the water out there with the cliff on the side. Fun fact: this is where East Watch by the Sea was filmed. Oh, um, at this exact location. Wow, it does that look cliff. like the end of a giant ice wall. Yeah, so that yeah, that's cliff a good call. Is, was the wall? That's just a little fun fact. But anyways, so one of the questions that I asked my roommates and asked myself during this trip was. How, why are we as humans just absolutely blown away by waterfalls, but like all all forms of nature? So on this trip, we saw countless waterfalls. Um, you just like drive down the road, and there's just waterfalls on the side of the road that are cooler than any waterfall you've ever seen in America, except for like Niagara Falls. And so like. Day after day, we would see multiple waterfalls every single day. And still, Mm -hmm. I would sit there and just be like, what is this? Like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it's not even just like me as American because we we saw people from probably every single continent except for Antarctica in Iceland there that was also watching it. So all different cultures, people groups, everyone is just blown away by these waterfalls and just completely awestruck. Yeah. By by what they're seeing. And so I was trying to figure out, okay, why why is this? Why do we why do we love this? Um so do you want me to come up give you my answer or do we want to delve into some other things first? Uh it depends on what you do. Well, I'm I'm ready to delve in as always. Go for it. Delve so, in. I was really excited when Adrian asked me about all because all has really taken off in in the field of psychology right now. So all has long played uh, an important part in uh, humans trying to understand themselves. Um, so if you're if you're familiar with like art movements, the the Romantic period was basically a reaction to the neoclassicism of the Enlightenment, and they're saying, you know, rationality that doesn't really capture really everything that is human experience 
um, and it can't account for what they would call the sublime, which we would now call awe. Um, so um, they they said, okay, how do we like? What is awe? It's like something that you just you catch a glimpse of, but you can't really understand fully. And that not being able to understand it fully makes it even greater. So if, you, uh, if you're familiar with the works of people like um, Frederick, no, something Frederick. His most famous painting is um, Wanderer Above the Fog. Um, that is a classic romantic um, painting because he's, he's putting you right in the... Uh, Casper David Frederick. He's putting you right in the the position of this romantic hero, looking out upon this landscape that you can't even you can't see most of it because it's just obscured by this fog and the mm-hmm. the hints of it further off are it, that's that's even more sublime, right? Because there's that mystery of of what's really out there and maybe we'll never know. Um, mm-hmm. It's also played. A, an important part in in religion and like experiences of God are you you have the reaction of awe to them. So um, it took off in psychology recently, thanks to my favorite psychologist now, um, apparently, which I didn't know at the time, uh, Jonathan Haidt and uh, Dacker Kelmer. Um, Jonathan Haidt's the author of The Righteous Mind. Um, so they were trying to understand all from a a like psychological and physiological standpoint. Um, so they wrote a great uh, article as an introduction to say, okay, this is what we know right now. Let's try to figure out some more psychologically and physiologically. Links in the doobly-doo. Um, <laughs> um, so... They said, okay, what our current working theory is, things that inspire awe are things that require accommodation. So what that, what that means is um, normally we, we work with what's called heuristic thinking where we have these categories and, okay, if something fits into a category, we have these assumptions about it. Um, and that works really well. So what accommodation is, this works for like kids and they're learning they talk about accommodation a lot if you're a child psychologist so like um like plurals uh aren't they don't all follow the right patterns or past tenses right so if you say like children try to make up like they know some rules and they try to extend it usually like often in wrong ways like they'll say oxes but you say no it's not oxes it's oxen. So now they have a new category of plurals that they have to accommodate. Mm-hmm. So something that inspires awe is something that doesn't fit into your your heuristics, what you already have boxes for. So and sorry, keep going. Your no, go for it. So I was gonna say, and so in the instance of waterfalls, I don't see waterfalls on a daily basis, and mm-hmm. so. When I now am all of a sudden struck by one, I now have to come up with a new category for describing nature because I don't see this on a regular basis. Right. Um, and so the, the, second, the second thing, so it 
forces you to accommodate your normal ways of thinking. And the second thing he says is, or they say, is vastness. Um, so uh, they have a great table of saying, okay, we have, um, well, here are some examples of what things in, inspire awe and what things kind of are like awe but not quite. So they say, um, one, one of their examples is encounter with God. So that's vastness and accommodation. Boom, awe. But if you see someone with great skill, okay, that's accommodation. Like, wow, I had no idea that you could um, catch footballs like uh, Odell Beckham Jr. But mm-hmm. Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't have the vastness to truly inspire awe. Um, yeah. So it's a great paper. You should check it out. Um, and so that was his starting point. And so people have since tried to investigate all further because mostly what was holding back so the psychology of all was uh, people like to, for emotion theory, reduce emotions to the five basic emotions. So if you're familiar with the movie Inside Out, mm-hmm. um, the the five basic emotions are depicted as the the controllers of Riley's mind um, in Inside Out. So these are these have these are emotions recognized by physiological science across cultures. Um, so people what, said, "What are they?" Oh, okay, so it's fear, disgust, um, anger, joy, and sadness. Um, and so people were saying, okay, all is just, it's, oh, surprise is also a fundamental emotion, but it was not included in Inside Out. Okay. So they're saying, oh, all is really just a combination of surprise and fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're trying to say, that's not, that's not, that doesn't really capture what all is. Right. Um, and so there are some, uh, people are claiming that there are fundamental um, reactions of all, uh, so it's slightly dropped jaws, expanded eyes, raised eyebrows, leaning forward, and utterances such as "Wow" and "Ah." So, man, pull that right it. out of the brain. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you all or "Wow" was one of your utterances. We had lots of raised eyebrows and expanded eyes. One of the best occurrences of that was on our, like, last day as we were coming through. We were just, like, driving. We had, like, this one of the last spots on our list to hit was just, like, this glacier lake. And we're like, do we really want to stop here? Like, is it just, like, going to be a lake? Like, just going to be – we've seen lakes before. Um, and we're like, well, it's just, like, it's literally right off the road. So we'll just, like, pull up to it. We can pull up and look at it. And so, like, as everybody, we all have, like, super low expectations for this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because we're thinking about it like a normal lake. And so as we're, like, driving up to this, all of a sudden we, like, come around this turn and we see this lake just full of, like, icebergs. And we just are, like, absolutely losing it. Like, just, like... The the amount of, like, how low our expectations were. Yeah. And then, like, just just shooting through the roof because it just absolutely just blew our mind right. when we saw it. And so, like, we get there, and all of us said afterwards, we're like, 
if if we're ranking our favorite place by the place that we've took the most pictures, like this place wins because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're just like absolutely shocked. And so like the we also I did this thing throughout our whole trip where we just like take these ridiculous selfies in absolutely like ridiculously beautiful locations. And so yep. you have like in the background is like these amazing like waterfalls and stuff. And then the foreground is just us being idiots. And so in this one, we're all just literally doing that mouth, jaw hanging open, yeah. eyes wide and eyebrows up because we're just like so blown away by like how absolutely like all inspiring this place even, was. Even as when you were, when you were talking about uh, the waterfalls, you were like, I can't believe that this is real. You were showing yeah. all the signs of awe. So that this this is another cool. So uh, lots of articles came out um, about a year or so ago saying awe is like the new wonder drug that everyone needs to do, um, and you can do it just by remembering times you've experienced awe or um, looking at pictures of it. Right. I was showing people pictures, and it was just like, I was most of it was the complaining about how the picture doesn't capture. Like, just how right, absolutely right. stunning it is, but still also remembering, like, wow, just how stunning this was. Mm-hmm. One of, one of the, the things that people point out as being really interesting is that it causes uh, what people call oceanic feeling in people, um, which is a greater connectedness to the universe as a whole. And so people perceive that they have uh, – their time is more free – after experiencing all um compared to people who don't experience all hmm. so lots of interesting research going on uh the atlantic article was my least favorite article about all um, it was it was so shocking the atlantic article that it was unfortunate well maybe fortunate but also in some of these articles, like fairly early in this week when we knew we were going to pick it up. So I actually like talk about it. So I actually like, had time to read the articles, which I guess most times I probably have time to read the articles, but I still don't. And so this time I almost did. I literally opened up this Atlantic article. I think I picked it because it was the Atlantic. It was and my like, least favorite. I picked up the Atlantic article, read the title, and was like, nope, not reading this. Yeah, because no, that's right. That's, because the, that's the correct move. So what's the title of the article? The title is like all might not be good for you or it might secretly reveal your privilege yeah um, and so i read that and was like i'm gonna disagree with everything that this article says so it's probably better if i get my initial reaction when austin tells me what it says but so it it like it is an interesting article because it gets to the the fear part it talk it talks more about the fear part as opposed to the the surprise part if we're trying to reduce it to fundamental emotions right, right. of awe. So um, we've really lost the the former use of the word awesome yep. um, to be s- something that inspires awe. And so mm-hmm. there's that, that tinge of fear. So if you're familiar with the classic um, poem, The Tiger. Uh, I'm not. Classic. Um, Romantic poem. It is by. Uh, shoot, his name starts with a B. Um, anyway, also a famous painter. Uh, he painted the great. I don't know. I forget it, but I I know what it looks like. It's God holding his hands down and at uh, phi. Anyway, none of this is important. Um, 
so he he loves the the tiger as uh a symbol because it's william blake there we go um not only is it like magnificent um there's also that danger of being near the tiger mm-hmm. so uh they're saying that your reaction to all is affected by your culture so in in chinese and other east asian cultures that fear is more present with awe, so awe can tend to cause anxiety um, depending on your cultural connotation. Um, so for Americans, it's pretty good. Uh, so that might be revealing your privilege, but uh, I, I thought that was a – that's not the title I would have picked. Right, although it did – I guess it does. it's it's grabby, so I guess it's a good title. Yeah. Um it, I think I think there's probably some merit to that. I think that probably we do experience awe differently based on how we were raised or mm-hmm. or the confines we were raised. And so I think like for me one thing that that I so I asked this question. We went to – we saw the – which is one the one waterfall, which is the most powerful waterfall in all of Europe, actually. Um, and so this is when – that was when I asked this question when I thought about it. And so what, my answer to the question, at least initially, was the idea of control, which I think also fits in, mm-hmm. fits in well with this idea of, like, how my upbringing, my American culture, my privilege or whatever, I think a lot of times we try to control things. And so one thing that was very striking to me is, like, I, I can't control a waterfall. I can't, mm-hmm. I, and mm-hmm. what's happening here is, like, I physically can't do it. And so in some ways that is a little bit of fear, right, because I think we generally fear losing control or not having control in, in a lot of senses. And so when I'm sitting there, like, watching this absolutely just insanely powerful waterfall, just, like, gallons and gallons of water just pouring down every second just the idea of like i can't control this like i just have to literally sit here and experience it and i mm-hmm. can't i can't control it. and so i think that does add some of that idea of of potential fear into the idea of awe yeah i think i yeah so i think that article is great but it forces us to think all all is like the emotion of like existential response like to that to me anyway it like it forces you to think about um your position in the world and like where it's not because normally like um we're very biased by inhabiting our own selves Mm mm-hmm naturally right like i'm with myself all the time right and so like of course i'm biased to my own opinions because they're my Mm -hmm. own and i experience them more than anyone else's um so it's it's very natural especially in america to think you know we're the most valuable thing right um but all because you're confronting something that's beyond normal thinking and scale it's like wow who am I to think these things? It's like Psalm yep. Psalm eight. Psalm eight. Yeah, if, yeah, for sure. And I think too. So another thing that 
that I experienced on this trip too was seeing the Northern Lights. Like really, yeah. Like oh my goodness. Like even just thinking about it, like when we saw I'm them so so the first time right now. For the first time we saw them, like we just it was just kind of like over these like mountains, and it was just kind of really faint, but it was like yeah. definitely the Northern Lights. And like in that moment, like I got chills just like seeing them, mm. and I got and Goosebumps my roommate was talking about it too. Another one of the physiological signs. Sorry. Um, and it was just like and so then we saw it, we saw it another night as well, which was even clearer and much more of like the classic like northern yeah. lights that you see. And it was also like the most clear night like we had there, and like saw the most stars I've ever seen in my life probably. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, again, going off with that idea of what you're talking about is, like, awe takes your your viewpoint off of yourself. Like, yeah. you, you're forced to come to the realization. It's like, okay, the world doesn't revolve around me. Yeah. Like, okay, we're in this giant world where our Earth has this magnetic field, which is saving us from solar, like, radiation and whatever, and somehow is being created into this amazing, like, absolutely, like awe-inspiring light show or we're just a small tiny planet revolving around this tiny sun which is part of this much larger galaxy which i now can like see the whole like milky way galaxy in the sky yeah and i think that 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 is why like that is all is is when you experience something that forces you to look outside of yourself take take your eyes off of yourself and your life for mm-hmm, a second mm-hmm. and just be like wow like <laughs> i i am not the most important thing or or rather there are other things and so we we um listen to switchfoot stars which is also a great mm-hmm. great song listening to that is where he says um, when I look at the stars, I see someone else. It's like, okay, it's, it gets that idea of like, okay, when I look at the stars, I, I'm no longer seeing myself. I'm now seeing yeah. something greater. And so in his case, he's talking about God. He's like, okay, like when I look at the stars, I see God. I see that there is something larger than myself that's more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, the oceanic thinking. Um Though that's, yeah, that's a, a very, like, I, I feel like that's a blah way to say that. But for it whatever is. reason, that's the that's the, the word people choose. But it kind of makes sense, too, because, I mean, the ocean, the ocean also, also inspires awe. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, obviously, I think our, our viewpoint of awe is skewed based on our, like, religious views. But I would also, like... Right, I, I and so I, I uh, it, like it makes sense that that also inspires fear, right? I right. read I read some article as I do. So, uh, something they were talking about um, Christianity, and some someone was saying like, if like they grasped the the scale of the universe, because they were like in a. Um, yeah, they're they're saying like, ever, like people are um, young Earth creationists and they don't really grasp the scale of the universe. But it's like, Psalmate says all of that, right? Like, right. Look how vast all of the the world is, 
like it's audacious that you care for me. So, like if you look at if you look at things and think like, wow, I'm small and insignificant, and if your if your response to that is like nothing is nothing I do is important, then yes, that's scary. Um, yeah. Or if you see something and you're worried you're going to die. That's what they, they were talking about um, with Chinese culture because the, mm-hmm. the emperors were imbued with so much awe um, that the, the fear is, is more the root of things. Yeah, yeah. We, d- we did experience some, or at least I experienced some fear. Just like there's, there's no like railings at all in Iceland. So, like, you could just walk up to these cliffs. So that cliff you saw in the picture from, like, where the wall is. Yeah. We were basically on top of that. And you can just, like, look straight down this cliff. And so it's, like, like it, I explained it one time. as like, my brain is saying, like, no, like, look down there. It's awesome. Like, you got to see this. But everything in my body is, like, get away from yeah. there. You're yeah. about to fall off this cliff and die. But I, I, I think it is I – don't, I don't know. I think it's almost too simple to say that awe is a mixture of, like, fear and surprise. Right, right. I, I, I feel like that's just, like, reductionist. I, I talk – not just lots of people talk about other disciplines as having physics envy um, where they, they want to reduce things to fundamental forces and – then mm-hmm. you can say, okay, we have these. Let's explain everything. Physics is great for that, but I think what's great about not physics is that it's not that, and that you have mm-hmm. emergent properties coming up from the the combination of these things. That if you didn't have the combination, you wouldn't have the the result. Um, like the it's the gestalt. Uh, the things are more than the the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. talk in psychological terms. You're right. It 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 just sells all so short when you're yeah. just like, oh, it's a mixture of fear and surprise. It right. makes it sound like it's comparable to like, like a like a birthday party or like something. Right. That they talk about like uh, then like horror movies. Yeah. Are a jump scare doesn't inspire awe. No. Um. It hate and uh, whoever else talk about that in their article. Yeah, um, it it just it sells it so short, mm-hmm. and so and, and I don't really know exactly what all the point of the the Atlantic article is, but it was getting at the idea of maybe not experiencing awe as much as we can. I, I don't know. I think that we need more awe in our life. They were saying, don't don't say that because it has effects on different people. It affects different people differently. So don't don't say it generally, but I think for most Americans, you can say generally, it is better to have more awe in your life. I I uh, yeah okay. The article I is f- basically oh check your privilege. I guess as an American, I feel comfortable saying that all Americans need all more awe in their lives. Yeah. As a human, and I don't know all cultures, so I can't speak for all cultures. But I saw a lot of cultures this past week or so, and they were all experiencing awe. 
from lots of mm-hmm. different cultures and backgrounds and yeah, I honestly parts of think- the world. And so for me, I think we all need more awe because personally, I think it points to something that's larger than us. Even if it does inspire some fear, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it points it, – it takes the, our view off of ourselves, which I think is very important for Americans. But I think it's important for all people and points to something greater, which if we want to look at more Psalms, we could look at Psalm 19, which is a great one for that as well. Um, but I think, I think it's really important for all people but I can kind of understand what they're saying. Uh, no, I think romantics and like religious mystics really have the best view of it out of anyone. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I think they get to the heart of it. It's like, okay, we have this world where rational things make sense, and then you're just confronted with something that you completely don't understand and maybe can never understand. So how how do you respond to that and how does that how does that shape your outlook mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i also think even even in the realm of science like i i think we do science in, in injustice by removing awe from it yeah um and so like even when we're like reading these signs or telling us about how these like rock formations are formed and all the science behind it or like how these different layers of rocks are being formed because of magma and ash and everything like that, to take like, to try to make it scientific and be like, okay, this is the reason it happened, this is, explain everything, this, this, and this, I think you do an injustice to it, but also like, there is still all in science, like, right, and I think it's, it's avoiding that like, the reductionist impulse right like it is it is the result of all these physical processes but it's more than the result of those physical processes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's interesting one thing that i tried to do and also had to like fight against was just like take pictures constantly Mm -hmm. um and so one thing i tried to do at like every place we went is just like sit or stand and just look at it yeah Um, which, which is so hard for us to do. Like even me, like, I don't think that I have, I think I talked about it before with just like TVs and restaurants, but I don't feel like I'm a fairly like that much of like an ADD type person, but like we are, I feel like it's so ingrained in our society to be like, Oh, like take a picture, like do something, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We don't just like sit and take things in. Yep. Um, and allow yourself to sit in the all right. Like, I I don't know. I think that's really important. I don't think we do it enough, probably because we don't give ourselves enough time to do that. Yeah, like going back to that painting by uh, Frederick. It's just a guy standing there, looking at the world. It's it's really good, by the way. I just had it up on my screen like this entire episode. It's a great it's, painting. It's a great painting, and it like. It gets that idea. It it how you were explaining it about like how you can't quite see what's out there, mm-hmm. but you can get glimpses of it. Yeah, like it just so like gets that idea of like awe almost, or like it's a slightly different feeling because you want to know what's there. Yeah, um, it reminds me of so one waterfall that we were at. There was like these two waterfalls, like basically right next to these, just just huge. And when we got there, it was literally, like, 
more foggy than this painting is. Like we couldn't even see in front of us. Um, that but is you so could, sublime. But you could hear the waterfall, and like you knew it was there. And so you're like there, and you're like, okay, is it gonna clear up? Is it gonna clear up? And finally, like it starts to clear up, and like you like these awesome waterfalls come into focus, and it's just like absolutely stunning yeah. and beautiful, and these colors are there. And like again, that's in my top three of like places we went. And I think it was added to it because of the fog and because of mm-hmm. that, like, well, it's like when we were, you, sorry, go ahead. When we were at Old Rag, and mm-hmm. we got, we finally got to that Boulder Field, and everything was foggy. I was so pumped. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah, it's great. Haze is like the fog of theater. It just makes everything better. Yeah. They're oh, pretty man. much the I, same I have thing. So many so. other. There's, there. Anyways, there was this one time we were like coming down out of these mountains, and the, the it was basically just clouds, mm-hmm. and the clouds had just like formed this huge, like literal, just like line, yeah, like, cutting off the top of the mountain. I was like, this is incredible. Like I can't explain why this is amazing, but like just looking at it, I know it's incredible. Yeah. Mm, it's so good. Anyways, any final thoughts? On awe and awe psychology. Um, read that article because it's it, it start it it's mostly a review of like historical thoughts about awe, which mm-hmm. is is really the best part. Um, I also one thing I really like about Jonathan Haidt is that he like takes religious seriously, which a lot of academics don't or don't mm-hmm. seem to. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, as not he like he doesn't treat it as just a a um sociological event. Um like encounters with God is one of his his sublime things. So even though he's he's a secular author. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think Find places where you can put yourself in awe, find yourself in awe, and sit in sit in those places. Um, don't don't rush off. I that's a challenge for myself. But but that if if we were gonna segue this into recommendations, that would be my first recommendation is is find times where you can be in awe mm-hmm. and, and sit in those sit in those those times. So, if we're in recommendations, I wanted to bring something up. Go for uh, it. I have another one too that also kind of goes for it. Oh, this is not a recommendation. This is just a this is a statement that feels more appropriate for the recommendation time. I was Go for it. watching an interview with uh, um, Childish Gambino, mm-hmm. and he talked about having a concert with no phones allowed, um, and how it just it oh, changes the response of him and the audience so much so going back to like resisting the urge to take pictures all the time like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you respond differently through your phone to yep. the world yep we talked a little bit about that too in the creation episode right where it's like don't just record the whole thing on your phone because mm-hmm. it, it's not as good and it, it's interesting that he would say that too 
because I, I feel like I'm at that point because I've been to so many creations, and so it's like, okay, I don't need to take more pictures. I He's been to a lot of concerts. Right, but like he he gets it right, and that's yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, do you want to go first on recommendations? You want me to? Uh, sure. Uh, because it's been two weeks, I read a lot of books, and nice. they were they were all good. Um, so the first book I read was uh, Deep River by Shikuzo Endo, um, who, if you remember, is the author of Silence, um, which I recommended nice. earlier. Uh, so Deep River is about Japanese tourists in Japan, no, in India, um, uh, along the Ganges River, um, and it's really, it's just a really fascinating book, um, so he's Catholic and he's talking about how his Japanese-ness affects his understanding of Christianity, and he's doing it, like, through Hinduism, which is is really fascinating, and it I I think I think we talked about it how reading Corinthians Paul says like to everyone I'm everyone else. So I'm mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about it through that lens. Is he being like is he appropriately in the traditions of these other religions? Um, yeah. So very interesting book. It. Yeah, yeah, it's a very much a work of cultural fusion. If you're into that, lots of people are. Um, so, and then the second book that I I listened to this one, it was No Country for Old Men by uh, Cormac McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched the movie No Country for Old Men, um, and the movie's great. Yeah, I think the movie's great. Um, the book is very much like the movie, but you get more just like monologues by an old guy talking about how the world has changed. So like, mm-hmm. that's right up my alley. Um, but uh, so the what happens is this guy whose name is Llewellyn for some reason he uh, is hunting antelope, finds a drug deal gone wrong, and finds the money. So he has this $2.4 million and the, there is an assassin named Antoine Chigurh, um and he's looking for the money. And uh, things go from there. But what I, what I like that the book has that the movie doesn't is just there's a, the character Sheriff Bell and he's there kind of following the action trying to, trying to protect um Llewellyn, but he's always mm-hmm. like three steps behind. So he's talking about um, how the world's changing. You see this new, um, new brand of criminals, I guess. And so uh, when it finished, he was talking about um, heroin, and you don't have heroin runners unless you have heroin users. And I was like, is this book secretly about like the opioid epidemic? Because if so, I like that. Like I like that a lot. Um, I'm not. A, I'm not opposed to that at all. Because um, he, he's just talking about um, how much uh, the world is changing, um, and like what you see. One of the one of my favorite parts uh, is when he's talking about uh, a survey for teachers saying what's wrong in schools. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so it came out in 2005, so opioids probably wouldn't have been a problem. Would have been still a, a problem then. Mm-hmm. But he said, like, in the 50s, teachers are saying, like, oh, the problems we have are, like, cheating and chewing gum and being late for class. And then the survey 30 years later, it's, like, murder and rape and suicide and things like that. So the book's more interesting than the movie. The movie is better at being a thriller than the book. Right, right. Um, But both are good. Both are pretty violent, so... If that's not your cup of tea, you can pass on it. But um, Tommy Lee Jones is the perfect Sheriff Bell, though. It, yeah. Anyway, third recommendation. Just finished this book, Hot Off the Presses. It is Between the World and Me by uh, Tanahashi Coates, who I've also talked about before on this you podcast. Have, yeah. um, Between the World and Me is his half memoir, half letter to his son. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's talking about just growing up as an African-American in America and what that's like. Um, accidentally started playing it there. Uh, so it's, it's, um, it's, it's very provocative. Um, and it, it good. It's like the book is brutal. The way he writes is brutal and just like stripped down. It like every like everything's working together for the the point he's trying to make. Just the prose, mm-hmm. how he's using words, his overarching message. And, and, but then he says like really great things. Like um, he realized that it's it's not just. Uh, a black consciousness it's a cosmic consciousness and something he was he was trying to come up with as a a younger man was you know africans there there's no tolstoy of the zulus and then he said he found he realized that tolstoy is the toy tolstoy of the zulus because it's Mm. tolstoy is is writing about humanity and to say the zulus have no tolstoy is to to accept that there is a difference between Russians mm. and Zulus. So it's it's a really it's a great book. Interesting. Um it's a challenging book, but it's only the audiobook's like less than four hours, so one of the wow. shortest audiobooks I've ever read. Nice. Anything else? Nope, that's it. Um so my first recommendation is to go to Iceland, which I know I said I wasn't going to do, so it's not going to be my only my only recommendation. But if you do get a chance, definitely recommend it. Um, my next recommendation, so on the plane, mm-hmm. I, I read a book, shockingly. Wow. Planes are great for that, though. They are great for that. Um, I, it was The Great Divorce, so it's very short. Oh, yeah. That's a great book, though. It is a great book. And so... There's lots of you should just read it because it's very good, um, and it and it, he just does such a good job. I was struck by why he chose to make it a novel mm-hmm. um, instead of just a a just like a speech or something. But then I then as I was reading it, I was like, this is just classic Lewis, C.S. Yeah. Lewis, um, 
And so it just makes sense that it would be a novel. And and I was also struck by like how good he is at doing conversations and dialogue. Yeah. Um, because dialogue, and I know dialogue is just one of the most hard hardest things to do in when you're writing a book, and it's it, it, this whole book is basically dialogue. There's there's the book has almost no action that's happening. I mean, there's lots of action that's happening, but but the whole meaning behind it is is just driven through dialogue. And I thought mm-hmm. that was really impressive. Apart from the fact that it's just really good, bringing yeah. lots of lots of like good ideas and challenging thoughts. I like wrote down lots of quotes from it's it. It's also I, a challenging book, yeah. It is a challenging book. Um, lots of quotes that I I don't usually write quotes down from books, but I was on an airplane and reading a book, so I decided to. Um, I'm not sure which is which was my favorite part, maybe, or most challenging part, maybe when he's talking to the mother of the son. Oh like the yeah. Son yeah. Who, there's yeah, it, there's just lots of really kind of difficult and challenging things that he just decides to take head on. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of difficult questions. Um, so yeah, so I recommend The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Um, my next recommendation um, would be one of my favorite songs right now, um, which is "Emotionless" by Drake. Um, really? Yes. Let. Have you listened to it? No. It's it's really good. Remember, for um, some reason, I don't listen to Drake. Yeah, which is okay. You don't need to listen to Drake, but you really should listen to this song because okay. it's really good. Um, basically, why I like it is he's, he's talking about um, kind of how our world is wrapped around doing things that are emotionless. Hmm. Um, so he's talking about how... Um, there's just you just need to listen to it because there's so many so many great lines. How I'm gonna try to find some here. Um, scrolling through life and fishing for praise, opinions from total strangers take me out of my ways. So like he's talking about how like okay all we do is just post things to try to get praise mm-hmm, from people, mm-hmm. and then we get upset when random people say poor things about us. Um. And so then, uh, where's another line? Oh, maybe that's in the first verse. Anyways, he talks about how I just I need to find it because he's, he's the lyric is just so good. Um, I'll say something in the meantime. I okay. read the weirdest thing today about cyber self harm. Okay. It's just it's just like the culmination of so many things that I'm just like I don't understand what's going on but it's people like anonymously posting hate on their own social media platforms Mm -hmm. and just like that's just that's so bizarre to me okay i found it the second verse is just killer so it starts off saying missing out on my years it's times when i wished i was where i was back when i used to wish i was here which mm. I love that line because it basically it, it's just so good of saying like so much so often we waste our time wishing we were somewhere else yeah and then when you get there you wish you were back to where you were um, oh it's so good um, anyways so you should listen to it it's very good 
Um, mm. It's it's good. It's good. It's one of my favorite songs right now. And then, so then my next recommendation is, which kind of also fits in with this because he talks about how a lot of people wish they were living in different places. So another question that I ask when we were in Iceland is, is how do the people that live in Iceland get used to this? Like, do they do they get used to the fact that there's a waterfall in their backyard? Um, and part of me decided at the end that, yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Because at first when I thought that, I was like, there's no way. They, they can't do it because it's just absolutely incredible. But then I decided by the time that we left is that, yeah, they do get used to it. And they, they get used to seeing these views and they don't, it doesn't inspire awe to them. And so what I challenged myself and I want to challenge us to do, like everybody to do, is think about the things and the places that you live now that either at one time inspired awe to you or would inspire to someone awe for somebody else who doesn't, who's not in this area. And so mm-hmm. like basically bring back the awe of where you are. And so I think a lot of times maybe you hear me talking about Iceland and you're like, oh yeah, I'd love to experience all, but I have to go to Iceland. But that's that's not the case. Um, just one thing, thinking about new being excited, I'm excited to be back in New Hampshire and not in Iceland because in Iceland they don't have any trees. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's almost no trees in Iceland, and so now fall's coming. I'm super excited to like see all the leaves change color and just be in, all inspired by that. Or even like thinking about Lancaster and how like the beautiful rolling hills and yeah. like the farm country. It's like we get used to that, but like it's just absolutely gorgeous and like awe inspiring. So, so that's my recommendation: is is redeem the awe in the place you live. You don't have to go somewhere else to be awe inspired by nature. One thing I do like about taking care of these cats is that the house is out of town, mm-hmm. so I can see the Milky Way again, mm-hmm. um, which I absolutely cannot uh, with all these street lights glowing um anyway yeah. so thanks for the recommendations and thank you for listening yeah and we'll see you next week